Welcome to our message from March 15, 2020. Our current series is based off of Mr. Fred Rogers and is called Seeking Death in Simplicity. Today's message is the third of the series. Today's scripture reading comes from the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25, verses 35 through 40. I was hungry and you gave me food to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you gave me clothes to wear. I was sick and you took care of me. I was in prison and you visited me. Then those who are righteous will reply to him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you, or thirsty and give you drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you, or naked and give you clothes to wear? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? Then the king will reply to them, I assure you that when you have done it for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you have done it for me. For the word of God in scripture, for the word of God among us, and for the word of God within us, we say, thanks be to God. This is our third week discussing the simple ways living our faith, similarly to Fred Rogers, may invite us into a deeper relationship with God. Needless to say, this week's theme and message for worship has shifted a bit. Originally, the seasonal planning team and I had intended to explore the concept of the Holy Spirit in Mr. Rogers' life. However, in light of us meeting remotely for worship, I'm going to shift more towards how we got here and how we can practice our faith in the days to come. Making complicated decisions do not come easy to me. I like to have all of the information, and in the information-driven world we live in today, that can be paralyzing to the point of never making a choice. If I need all of the information, I just spin my wheels in that step, and I may never make a decision. When I was in college, though, I spent a lot of time with my paternal grandparents, and my grandmother and I would sit around and talk for hours, which helped me process and make decisions better. A lot of my shifts in theology took place during this time, and I don't know if she realized it when we were doing it, but she gave me permission to think differently than my parents and to make mistakes in those choices. During that time, I began to consider scenarios where I didn't know what to do or how to pick between two or three options by considering the outcomes of the decisions. If I choose A, what's the worst that can happen? What about if I choose B? With a lot of decisions, there really aren't worst case scenarios. What's the worst that will happen if I try to make a turkey for Thanksgiving and I fail? We eat a lot of, we eat a meal that's mostly sides. What's the worst that could happen if I get angry and assume every driver running a red light is an arrogant jerk? Well, I'll have a pretty low opinion of humanity and possibly high blood pressure. But then we get to bigger questions like, what's the worst thing to happen if we decide to gather together for worship this Sunday? I have said time and again that I want to create a space for people of varied thoughts, beliefs, and ideas to meet. Perhaps you're feeling that stretch a bit this morning. Maybe you know someone in the Pacific Northwest who has been showing symptoms of a tight chest, a cough, and or a fever, but hasn't gained access to a COVID-19 test. Or maybe you've been trying to take in the vast array of news coverage and you're uncertain if this is even a legitimate thing. Perhaps you're considering if it's a manipulation of the population by the government and or the news media. I had to ask myself, but what if I'm wrong? Boulder County, as of 3 p.m. yesterday, had no confirmed cases of COVID-19. 
I've heard rumors of multiple cases in our schools, but maybe they all live in different counties because they haven't popped up on the Colorado Health and Human Services Department's website. So what if we don't gather and I'm wrong? The worst I can come up with is that people are saddened or angered. You and I are inconvenienced. But what if we do gather in our building and I'm wrong about that? We take our closest friends and neighbors that we enjoy connecting with each week and we put our community at risk of losing anywhere from 2 to 10% depending on how high risk we are as a community. And planning an untimely funeral for one of our congregation members was one too many for me. John Wesley gave us a foundation for a time such as this. Actually, he gives us this, these rules, and we can use them anytime, but they come in handy right now. We Methodists can follow his three simple rules. And the first is do no harm. I have a second cousin in Chicago who phrased it well. When you are home and trying to decide if you should leave the house, pretend that you're sick and working to keep everyone else healthy. If you do decide to leave your home, pretend that everyone you see is sick and work to keep yourself healthy. First, do no harm. Wesley's second rule is do good, which brings me to Fred Rogers this week. Mr. Rogers often told the story about when he was a boy and would see scary things on the news. My mother would say to me, look for the helpers. You will always find people who are helping. To this day, especially in times of disaster, I remember my mother's words and I am always comforted by realizing that there are still so many helpers, so many caring people in the world. Perhaps your doing good is the same as doing no harm and it's more time at home than you would like. Maybe you have hand sanitizer and have not been traveling in the last two to four weeks and are under 70 and can shop and deliver groceries for our neighbors. Maybe you can walk your neighbor's dog or some other good that I haven't yet imagined. I suspect in the days to come, we will be invited to do no harm and to do good in ways we previously hadn't imagined. It'll come with previously inconvenient practices like staying home when we want to go out or carrying and using hand sanitizer wherever we go, or staying six to 10 feet away from people we'd rather comfort with a hug, or even having to comfort people over the phone or video conferencing. However, when the moments to do no harm or to do good or both arise, and they will, remember Fred Rogers' words and the parable that Jesus shared. That which you do for your neighbor next door, or the one in the grocery aisle, or the one at the airport trying desperately to get home, they are all walking, talking, breathing examples of a man who taught us that healing and wholeness are holy. This is not a time to imagine ourselves as Jesus, but a time when we are invited to see Jesus in the other. And our responsibility is to keep the other healthy, happy, and whole. What is the third of John Wesley's rules? Stay in love with God. I may have been wrong. We may be learning new tricks and calling our friends on a phone tree and exploring online communities in a way that stretches our capabilities as well as our spirits for no good reason. And yet, God is with us. 
the Holy Spirit is working in and around and through us in each of our homes. Jesus is guiding our next steps and inviting us to imagine a world without fear, but unconditional care for one another. In the midst of all of this, the triune God remains in love with us and invites us to stay in love with the triune God. In the days to come, look for the helpers. Remember to look when you're standing in front of a mirror, too. And as we journey as people of hope, healing, and wholeness, practice our three simple rules. Do no harm, do good, and stay in love with God. Thank you for listening to this week's message. If you enjoyed it, we encourage you to go to louisvilleumc.org. From our website, you can find out a lot about us, including our social media links, a way to give an offering, to sign up for our newsletter, and to go to our calendar where we are posting all of our online and in the near future, hopefully, our face-to-face -face gatherings. Thanks again for listening and have a great day.